right. You glad to be in the house of God this morning? I'm so glad you're here. You made it to church and you made it to church with pants on. <laughs> sure did. I'm Pastor Corey. This is Pastor Aaron. Uh, we're glad you're here. Um, we're so glad you're here. We had pizza with pastors with a bunch of new folks last week. I mean, we had so many people, we had to do it in here. And so there's going to be a bunch of new dream teamers out there. So taking on the new dream teamers. Don't be like, that's not how you do that. They're new. They're doing their best. I'm so glad that you guys are joined in here. You get mad at Sean, you turn his keyboard off. Roy and Sean, a shot of the title after church. Boom. I don't know who to go for there because Roy's... Filipino, and that means he's nice. Sean looks like the Unabomber back here, so I don't... If you ever want to go slowly through airport security, go with Sean, because he's like... I don't know what it is about him. They just check him out. I went through the airport. We were coming back from Haiti, I think, and Sean comes in looking like a mountain man who's definitely hiding bombs. And... Uh, Lord, I just pray that you'd wipe that smug arsenal smile off of... I mean, they had a fake victory yesterday, and nobody even cares about that. And I would like you to remind Sean, Lord, that Liverpool's still at the top of the table. Amen. Okay. Uh, if you're new to Venue Church, that's what we do. Um, that's almost all, all the, that we do. Um, anyways, uh, we love to have fun in the house of the Lord. Um, you know what would alarm the, the devil, I think, is all the things that he's been doing in your life this week, and you can come to church and laugh because God is going to get it in the end. And so I think that that's important to remember. Um, can I just tell you about my Valentine's story this week? I leaned over on Valentine's morning, and I said to Pastor Aaron, Happy Valentine's Day. And she said back to me, Barf. B-A-R-F, Barf. She thinks that Hallmark created Valentine's Day to sell cards. And that's what I think. So we're a match made in heaven, baby. Um, I actually proposed marriage to her the day after Valentine's Day. It was romantic. I had a, a rose painted black on Valentine's Day that I gave her and she loved it. And uh, we went to Bow Falls in Banff and it was all iced over. And I, my plan was to like walk down on the ice and propose down there, but um, I ran out of nerve. Well, here, I never had this thought before. I'm like, what if she says no? What am I gonna do? Like, how do you like, like oh, like let's, let's be friends. I guess we gotta drive back in the same car. You know what I'm saying? Like, what do you talk about then? It's like, so, so I started thinking like that and I got a little, I panicked a little bit you know, and I had to wait till I got back on the path to do it and I did it and she said yes and we never had another fight again all right today I'm preaching about marriage uh, my sermon about Jesus on the couch uh, in marriage I want to recognize the room um, thanks Sean some some people in the room are single um, you single that's why you're still single Um, some people, you know, like you're single, you want to get married, you're afraid of getting married, you want to get married and you're afraid of getting married. Um, some of us uh, in the room are divorced. Um, 
which means that you're, you come into this with a lot of, there's a lot of stuff that you're going to be feeling as I'm preaching this, but um, God wants to do something. Now, divorced people back me up as I'm preaching about marriage here a little bit because um, I know the temptation in divorce is to, after divorce is to, you know, I don't think you married the Antichrist. So let's not have our lives controlled by somebody we don't even live with anymore or this perception that we create of that. I think God wants to fix you. And, uh, and, I, and I think that we have to actually recognize some things in our lives that when God points out as a father, when God points out something that's wrong in our lives, he's not doing it to embarrass us or to burn us. He's doing it to heal us. And so, so, um, so let's take some responsibility. Let's own our failures. And um, some, somebody is in the room thinking about divorce right now. And I'm going to tell you, divorce is not easier. It's just not easier. Now, listen, um, Pastor Aaron, we deal with a lot of hard things. And so we'd love to help you. We have teams that would love to help you. We understand. We've been down in the dirt too. So, but I'm going to say, just wait till the end of the message. God's going to show you something in the sermon. Then get divorced. No, um, I don't know. Like wait till the end of the message and then, and then no, don't no. Okay. Uh, somebody in the room is too happily married and you're disgusting. You know, meet those people. They're just like at the coffee shop, just staring into each other's eyes. You know. How do you feel? Just tell me all about yourself. I'm like, you're married now. Like, we're still talking like, you know, Gucci, Gucci. So I just love you so much. Okay. <laughs> Some people's marriages are doing okay, actually. Like, you don't fight all that much, but your marriage is not accomplishing anything on the earth. And I would challenge you and I would say, without vision, who cares? If you're not here on this earth to do something that God wanted marriage to be used for, I'm going to challenge you, like, come on, let's do something. Let's fight the good fight. Let's accomplish something good in the earth. A whole... Anyways. Um, and then most people have a marriage like our marriage, which is like a struggle because Pastor Aaron's got some problems. <laughs> now, I could, look, I could just save you all the time of the sermon and just tell you it's your spouse's fault and you can go home. <laughs> or you can sit here for the next 30 minutes or so and have your feelings hurt. Um, you know, it's funny though. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Some people, they'll see me on stage or operating in my gifting and, um, and they'll be like, wow, it must be amazing. What, was the, what would we like to live in this home? It'd be so amazing. And I'm like, it is. And it's a privilege for Then there are sometimes there's other times where I'm like, Aaron, where's the peanut butter in the pantry? I'm in the pantry and I'm like, the peanut butter is not here, Aaron. I, like you gotta, we can't run out of peanut butter. Somebody put it somewhere and Pastor Aaron is like, it's right there. I just saw it. I'm like, it's not here. It's not here. And then she gets into her descriptions of like, well, it's two things down from the red thing and the box of the other thing. And by the time she gets into it's two, I'm like, I'm not even listening anymore. I'm like, it's not here. And then she, she goes, if I got to get up and come over there, it's going to be there. And I'm like, it's not. And then you're going to have to apologize to everybody. And uh, she walks over and she's like, it's here and your hand was on it the whole time. And then I'll say, somebody just put it there. 
So there's the other things too. Um, <laughs> you know, there's no married people problems. Marriage counseling, there's no married people problems. There's just your problems plus their problems. And the funny thing when you're dating is you're like one person's problems plus another person's problems will equal no problems because you're stupid. So, but two people's problems do not equal zero problems. They just equal more problems. And then you're like, we'll solve all of our marriage struggles and we'll have a bunch of kids. It didn't work. Um, <laughs> Renee says it didn't work. Now, people often ask us, like, um, what's the church's view on marriage? And, well, the church, Venue Church didn't uh, create marriage. So all we do is, like, read about it in the Bible from the God who did create marriage. And so when we're talking about marriage, we're just talking about how God created marriage. Adam and Eve plus God minus one snake. But as soon as the, see, Jesus is supposed to be on the couch between you. But as soon as you replace Jesus with the snake, then things get real complicated. But when we're talking about it, that's what God is talking about. That is what we're designed for. Now, the mean marriage problem, I'm going to get into this here. So just be prepared. I know you've been troubleshooting your marriage for a long time. I just want to tell you the mean marriage problem. It's the quickest fix if we can just kind of jump you here and then work our way back a little bit. Um, Here's the main marriage problem that I see, that we've experienced, that I still do often. Um, don't ask your spouse for self-worth. What we should do when we're dating is like, hi, can you carry this giant box of uh, rocks around? It's my hopes and my dreams. It will be your responsibility to fulfill them. Also, I'd like you to make me feel good about myself. You can't get this from them, your self-worth. I'm not saying a spouse shouldn't validate. As a father, I ought to validate my kids. But ultimately, it's not going to do it for them. And it's not going to do it for you. Your mom can't validate you. Your dad can't validate. No human on earth can validate you except a God who made you. Once you get that, if you learn one thing, in the morning when you wake up, go to your father in heaven, run to your father in heaven and say, what do you think about me? Because we will run every other place and to any other person because we're secretly afraid we'll get rejected by the God of love. You know that he can't and you know that he won't but it's what we're afraid of. And we just don't want to hear from him what he thinks about us because we're scared about how it might feel. Now, here's the thing. When my dad, I had a good relationship with my dad, but when my dad would correct me, I didn't feel bad. Well, he wasn't trying to take anything from me or hurt me. He was trying to save me from a lot of nonsense. But here's the other thing that I want to say. Somebody in the room is experiencing much more hardship in marriage or has and is doing better than you. And I want to ask, like, why are they doing better than you? Because they're like a better person? Like, well, probably, but <laughs> no, but I want to say, like, it's a little bit weird here. And it's, I just want to just dial it back right to this moment and say somebody is struggling far worse than you in life and is doing better than you are in the sense of where they're at. 
inside. I want to say this. It's, it's a little bit weird for God, I think. And I, so it's, it would be like me watching my brother Ryan with dad have this great relationship with dad and me looking in from the outside of that and being like, oh, jealous. Like, oh, we have the same dad. If somebody who's doing better with their heavenly father and is doing in a struggling marriage is doing somehow okay internally, you have the same dad. You just haven't gone to your dad yet. What's happening around you doesn't have to happen in you. It's super quiet. Go to your father. Your spouse can't do it for you. Some moms want their three-year-olds to validate them. You're a good mom. What does a three-year-old know? They think you're good when you serve ice cream. Go to your father. Nobody can do it for you. Nobody else can do it for you. Or go to your spouse and be miserable forever. Sometimes when I see unhealthy people withhold validation from their spouse, um, it's alarming to them because they're like, withhold, like, I'm going to teach you a lesson, you know, or whatever. Whatever we do when we're unhealthy, like, I'm not going to validate you. I'm going to... And uh, your spouse is like, you know what? I woke up this morning. I read the word of God. I found out what he thought about me. I worshiped. I prayed. I'm good. Maybe it's you. So every other marriage tool that we're going to work on is a band-aid. That's all that it is. God could actually heal you. He could actually heal what's really going on inside of you. All right. Now you guys ready to talk about the marriage traps? Uh, okay. I know that you are. Um, I saw a Facebook post here a couple weeks ago from a friend of mine, Pastor Dan, from uh, Connect Church in Calgary, and uh, he, he wrote this like, my wife is the wife of the year. She just bought me a new truck. You know that time in your life where you didn't know you really wanted something and you didn't even know you needed it until you saw it? Yeah, that's what this truck was for me. I'm like, so I, I wrote in because I'm me. I'm like, I wish I was married to the wife of the year. And then venue people were like, you've married to the wife of the century. And, you know, got all mad or whatever. And I was just joking around. And then I told Pastor Aaron, I'm like, why don't you buy me a truck? And then Pastor Aaron said, this is what she said. It could have been the Lord. What about your Triumph Rocket 3? It's a, a motorcycle that's the biggest production motorcycle that you can get, and I have. And I said, I forgot about that. <laughs> this is a trap in marriage. I call it a proximity trap. Its design is to bring you into sniper range for the devil to take out. I think there's really three traps, but this is the first one and it brings you in here. The proximity trap is when the serpent highlights what you don't have. What you don't have from your spouse. I think you, I know that you think that you're, it's all your spouse's problems. The word of God says we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You're like, I'm wrestling against flesh and it's my husband. We wrestle not, you're wrestling against the plans of the enemy in their life. You can go at the plans of the enemy and still bless your spouse. I think some of us are cursing our spouses because we think that, no, they're just falling for the plans of the enemy. 
as, as, as are you. The proximity trap is when the serpent highlights what you don't have. So this is when, when the serpent says to Eve in the garden, did God say that you're not allowed to eat of any of the trees? Can I preach to y'all women for a second? And then Eve decides she should educate the snake. Snakes don't need education. They need killing. So it's like, hey, this is all, I'm just going to say it to you ladies. I live with five of you. You're like, you have, I live with one wife and four daughters, just to be clear. I'm like, this is where you're not supposed to be educating. Because, I mean, the serpent literally says the dumbest thing he could say. Like, you're not supposed to eat of, did God say you're not supposed to eat of any of the trees? She already was. There was a million trees in Eden. She had so many trees to eat from, she couldn't eat from them all. She hadn't even tasted them all yet. And then she says, if the devil can get you to say it, no, we're just not allowed to eat from that one. Now, now she's like focused on the only thing that she can't have, on the only thing that God doesn't want her to have, on the only thing that would kill her if she got. She didn't even know she wanted it until she said it. And now she's not happy. So the, the devil points you at what you don't have at what I'm going to call a false need. My spouse, if my spouse would give me this, then I could be happy. All right. So a false need. I'm not saying validation isn't useful. A truck could be useful. Fruit is useful. Fills your body. It'd be useful to eat from that. A false need. If King David, who had more relational problems and just problems than you could have possibly imagined, says, the Lord is my shepherd, I have no needs. Like when I'm with him, you know what, that's enough. When Paul the Apostle says, um, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength, God's grace is sufficient for me. His strength is made perfect in weakness. He says, from the Jews I received five times, 40 lashes minus one, because it had been scientifically proven by murdering a bunch of people that if you got 40 lashes with that whip, it would kill you. It would kill a, phys it would kill a human male. So they just backed one off there and five times he got that from the Jews and says, God's grace is sufficient for me. His strength is made perfect in weakness. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And he's not married and he's got nobody to complain to and it's just him. A false need. Well, I need my spouse to... Not if you have Jesus. You don't need anything but Jesus. Not need, 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 need. It helps, but it's only like the icing on the cake. It's not the cake. Paradise. This is Eve, and it's so exaggerated that I think it's just like, but you're like, well, my husband's not perfect. I'm like, it wouldn't matter. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. She lives in Eden. She's in Jamaica. In Jamaica. With the perfect man. With the perfect father. With the, she's perfect. 
She's being treated perfectly. There's no sin. She has everything. And one sentence later, she's not happy. Nothing changed. Nobody treated her badly. Nothing has changed. But one phrase, she swallowed. And you know, God used to walk with them in the cool of the evening. God would walk between them, I think, because, you know, as a dad, when I walk with my kids, they're like, I better walk beside dad and I better walk beside dad because I'm his favorite and I don't want to hurt him by you walking there. Jesus is between them. God is between them walking. And I think Eve never took that to her father and said, why am I not happy? Because she didn't want to hear She didn't want to hear that it was her. She didn't want to hear, why are you talking to a snake? I'll explain this a little bit. Today's uh, text is the woman at the well who meets the perfect man and then rejects him anyways. Then tries all her little tricks to reject Jesus. Um... Here's a phrase that if the devil can get you to swallow, might kill your marriage. You deserve peace in your marriage. You deserve peace in your marriage. What you really mean by that is like you deserve comfort and he or she should never correct you about anything, even when you're an idiot. That's what we mean. It's just like, just let me do whatever I want. What if the peace that you're looking for would cost your kids their destiny? You still want it? You still want it? What if the piece you're looking for is called blackmail and is displeasing to the Lord? What if you're like, well, I'm just so tired of fighting. I get it. Like, we fight a lot. I get it. But you were born into a fight on this earth. The devil is trying to murder you and everybody that you love. At least fight a good fight that does something good on the earth. As opposed to not fighting at all and getting everybody shot in the face. How about this one? I just wish my spouse would respect me. Here's the trouble with that. Is that you're an idiot? No, I'm just, I just saw late and I'm like, just made, made a connection. Here's the thing about that. Here's the thing about that. Jesus says, our father in heaven, heaven, hallowed be your name. At the end of all days, everybody's going to worship Jesus and he's just going to turn around and give it to his father and be like, hey, this is all for you. You don't get to keep that. It's not yours. People are like, hey, your, your sermon's on to my soul. You're the best preacher. Yeah, you're the best preacher. You just got to let compliments roll off your back because, like, I couldn't find the peanut butter yesterday. So I'm just like, thank you. And then in my mind, I'm like, thank you, Jesus. Because I don't, I was so confused during my own sermon. I can't change somebody's. You're trying to change your spouse because you think you're, they're the problem. You can't change them. You're trying to change yourself. I don't know how much you can... When do you go to God? Yeah. Now, here's the camouflage of the real trap. You ready? This phrase. This phrase. The first one is the proximity one. It's like, hey, you don't have this. They could give it to you, but they won't. The next trap is this one. They don't appreciate you. They don't appreciate you. I mean, that's probably true. Like, we've met your spouse. If that's where you're going for your self-worth. You know what the serpent says to Eve? 
Because Eve says, we're not allowed to eat from that tree. And then she goes, we're not even allowed to touch it or we'll die. Well, she added that part, I think, in there. It wasn't there. So either Adam communicated it wrong. But the serpent is trying to get Eve here. The serpent is like, he highlights the thing. But see, God had told Adam about the tree. And Adam had to tell Eve about the tree. And so the serpent really is in this place where he's like, they don't respect your intelligence. They don't appreciate how smart you are. So go do something real stupid. You got to prove how smart you are. So go make an independent decision. Add something to something else. They don't appreciate you. I think we need to get appreciated for way too much these days. I mean, do you really need to be thanked for wearing deodorant? I feel like that's what we want. Like, do you really need to be thanked every day that you go to work? It feeds you too. I mean, there's an alternative of just being super hungry. Do you need to be thanked for spending time with your own kids? For taking the trash out, teenagers? This is the worst travesty in human history. You could live with the garbage if you want to. As soon as you allow yourself to feel unappreciated, no, 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 I'm unappreciated and I feel it because that's what happened. As soon as you allow yourself to feel unappreciated, well, no, this is a feeling. I don't have any control over this. That's what your two-year-old said when he punched his baby brother. I can't control this. I'm just super angry. Can two-year-olds speak English? <laughs> as soon as you allow yourself to feel unappreciated by your spouse, are you still going there for your self-worth? God never stopped appreciating you. As soon as you allow yourself to feel unappreciated with your spouse, you turn off two taps. The first one is gratefulness. The second one is serving. Then we're like, God, you're not enough anymore. I'm not going to say thank you. I'm not going to look at anything good my spouse is doing and be grateful. And I'm going to stop serving. And then you get super unhappy because that's what happens to ungrateful, selfish people. And then you get mad at your spouse as if they stopped doing something. Oh, incited to my soul, pastor. I can see it. You're such a good pastor. How do you know this? Because I do it all the time. Pastor Aaron does. Um, Here's the ultimate trap. Once the devil has you in range, this is what he wants. This is what he wants. Your spouse, they, your spouse doesn't appreciate you, but this person would. This is not a random temptation. This is a targeted temptation. Here's also another thing about this. That person doesn't even have to be a real person. It could just be some ideal spouse that you made up in your head, which is super creepy. I'm like, oh, well, if you would just be like that. Like, that's like Prince Charming from like Cinderella or whatever. That's not a person. That person doesn't go to the bathroom. They're not a real person. They don't have gross toenails. And if they did, they wouldn't live with your gross toenails. It's this thing that we make up. It's this ideal. It's this, 
And the devil targets you at the thing that looks pretty good. You're like, they'd appreciate you. Let me just see if I have an insight into my wife's soul. Has the devil ever suggested somebody to you that might be more patient or passive than I am? <laughs> Feel free to respond. <laughs> Some of you guys are new and you're like, oh, I thought you were patient. <laughs> sort of. Here's the thing, though. I'm not. <laughs> I don't know what else to say there. Like, I'm, I'm just not super patient. But if I was, though, the way that the devil suggested to her, and I didn't have the drive or the pain tolerance or the we got to go or the devil's going to get us. Let's go. Let's go and let's go on the offensive. Let's save some people. If I, if I would lose that, none of this would be here because that's God's gift too. So I can't be both. And God is working on my patience too. Cause I, cause I have you preach that. They don't appreciate you, but that person would, you know what? Pastor Aaron called me high maintenance one time. And I was livid. Like, what? How dare you? High maintenance. And then our friend Kathy, I think, said, um, well, you're kind of demanding. And I'm like, that's not the same thing. <laughs> then the devil points you at somebody's hockey spouse and you're like, oh, they get me. They just think I'm so funny. That's because you haven't told them the same joke 50 times. Oh, uh, they just, you know what? It's easy to be appreciated uh, until people get to know you. They didn't watch you destroy a box of crackers and a whole jar of mayonnaise last night because work was just so hard. And nobody made eye contact with the hallway and you just couldn't even do it anymore. And then you came and Everybody is appreciated until they eat mayonnaise. <laughs> Eve tried to get her worth from a snake. Adam tried to get his from Eve. And God got his leg, but... A woman, a Samaritan, came to draw water. Jesus said, would you give me a drink of water? His disciples had gone to the village to buy food for lunch. The Samaritan woman, taken aback, asked, how come you, a Jew, are asking me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? Jews in those days wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritans. This is the beauty about Jesus is, is um, he doesn't go around Samaria like the Jews would have. They hated the Samaritans because they were Jews mixed with like the Assyrians. And they were like, they were like people that church people would not ever talk to, wouldn't go through their town. And he's there and Jewish women would not talk to, or men wouldn't talk to women in public. You certainly, you wouldn't talk to a Samaritan ever. And you wouldn't talk to a Samaritan woman and a Samaritan woman who's a sinner, all of these things she is. And Jesus just like, would you give me a drink of water? It doesn't start with like, I love you. I bless. He asks her to do something for him. Like, would you do something for me? Um, 
the Samaritan woman said, how come you a Jew are asking me a Samaritan for a drink? Jews wouldn't be caught dead talking to Samaritan in those days, and to Samaritan. So it's like people from Edmonton or whatever. You're just like, <laughs> nah. I have so many Edmonton jokes from the trades world, but I can't share any of them because they're not good jokes. Um, Jesus answered, if you knew the generosity of God, he's talking to somebody here, and who I am, you'd be asking me for a drink, and I would give you fresh living water. He's like, you wouldn't be looking at human relationships to fill that bucket anymore. You're just walking around with this bucket, hoping somebody's going to fill it, and Jesus is like, it's the wrong bucket. The woman says, sir, you don't even have a bucket to draw with, and this well is deep, so how are you going to get this living water? He's trying to tell her, ultimately, because you're going to see her relationship problems. He's like, you're, you're dipping a bucket in the wrong well. That's why you got to keep coming back. Your spouse can compliment you in just the right way, and tomorrow you'll need another one. Why? It's the wrong well. It's not like they shouldn't, but it's not going to do it for you. I think, I got to ask, like, what sort of society, she's like, you didn't bring a bucket. What sort of society doesn't leave a bucket on the rope at the well? Everybody, you got to bring your own bucket and tie it to the rope? And I'm like, Canadian society. Just everybody says, snatch and grab at happiness. Just throw a chair through the front window and take whatever you want. And then hope it works out. And then get mad at God when it doesn't. You know what society is saying? If you don't look after you, nobody will. You better look after yourself. Jesus is like, yeah, you actually got to lose your life to find it. Um, then she starts needling him and talking about, are you better, a better man? Are you a better man? Like, it's just a weird thing for this woman to say, are you a better man to Jesus? Then, like, how dare you think that you're better than our father, Jacob? Eh, Jacob is more the father of the Jews than this mixed anyways. She's just, she's doing what, she's expecting rejection, so she's just going to quit before she can get fired. Somebody here today, you're expecting God to reject you. You're just going to quit before you get fired. I, I don't think you have to. Here's the funny thing. I don't think you were going to get fired. She's just acting like an idiot. Jesus says, everyone who drinks this water will get thirsty again and again. Anyone who drinks the water I give will never thirst, not ever. The water I give will be an artesian spring within gushing fountains of endless life. He's like, this bucket can't heal what's going on inside of you. Your spouse can't do that. A human can't do that. You're going to watch what he talks about in a second. He's like, I can do that. I can patch all those holes in there. And then I'll pour so much through you that you'll have to give it away because you have too much self-worth and too much encouragement and you don't know what to do with it all. You gotta hand out compliments because you know what God thinks about you so much that you're just like, oh, it's not hard to. She says, sir, give me this water so I won't ever have to come back to this well again. And she's here at the heat of the day because she can't hang around with the other women because she's stolen half of their husbands already. He says, hey, you're doing great. It's just okay, just go home, you'll feel great. He actually highlights, and this is what you're afraid of, he highlights the very pain points in her life, and he said, go call your husband. He's like, I got to kill the other well first. 
I got to kill this well because you're still going to go back in there. I got to show you like, it's never going to do it. He's not going to kill her husband. She goes, I have no husband. That's nicely put. I have no husband. He said, you've had five and the man you're living with now, you're not even married to. You spoke the truth there, sure enough. You're like, Jesus is cracking a joke. And she's like, weeping. <laughs> she's like, yeah, well, that's true. And then she starts getting off into all this distraction game that we do of like, well, isn't that? Jesus is like, just keeps bringing it back. He says something. She's like, I don't know about that. I do know that when Messiah is coming, we'll get the whole story. She's like, basically like, yeah, you know what? I'm just going to wait for the next guy. And hopefully he comes and... And Jesus says, I am he. You don't have to wait any longer or look any further. He's like, but you can't escape me. Come to me and get it or go back to your spouse and go back to and be unhappy. You cannot get around me. You cannot fill it with anybody else. I am he. I want to do it now. Make a decision. Somebody. God is Jesus is like, I am here. I am here now to fix this. I want to do this for you, but you can't do it any other way or go back and blame your spouse for it all if that's what you want to do. Then the disciples came back. They were shocked. They couldn't believe he was talking with that kind of a woman. Some of you feel like that in church, but you don't know Chad, so you're like, well, you don't know all the things I've done. No one said what they were all thinking, but their faces showed it. <laughs> one time, Alish, when she was little, she walks into Costco and she turns the corner. You know when your kids are little and they got no filter? And she sees a guy with only one leg and she goes, whoa! <laughs> so this is what they do. They come back and they're like, whoa! You're talking to her? He's like, yeah, she's a daughter of God. Just like you're a son of God. Of course I'm going to talk to her. The woman took the hint and left. In her confusion, she left her water pot. I hope this sermon will so confuse what you have built your life around that you leave that old bucket here. I hope you, I don't even want you to take it back home with you. I want you to leave it here so you won't be tempted to use it. I want you to go get prayed for in the prayer corner. And I want you to get a living water, a spring of living water from the inside of you flowing up so that you have to give compliments and you have to give validation away because you got too much from your father. That's what I want. In her confusion, she left it. She went back and said, come see a man who knew all about the things I did, who knows me inside and out. See, that's what you want your spouse to do because you think that'll validate you. Listen, the more they know about you, the harder you are to love. <laughs> I'm not saying like don't know everything about you. I'm just saying like, but here's somebody whose heart is big enough to know everything about you and to overwhelm you with love anyways. She's like, I finally found the one I was looking for. It wasn't a husband. It wasn't a spouse. It was Jesus. Do you think this could be the Messiah? And they went out to see for themselves. The best thing your spouse can do is cover you with band-aids. Jesus can actually heal you. Would you go to Jesus? Would you go to your father and ask the hard question? What do you think about me?